Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic book art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and as always, I'm joined by London. This show is being brought to you by Meltdown Comics here in Hollywood. We are also brought to you by Comics Fix, the digital subscription service where you can read unlimited comic books on your iPad and on your desktop, wherever you want, any mobile device, check it out, Comics Fix. And I am also very excited for this week, our 14th episode, Batman 101. London, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm doing well because I know a little bit about what we're going to be talking about this week. And if you listened last week, London gave you a little hint about what was going to be this week. So Batman 101, what is that about? Tell me. I receive tons of messages and emails asking me where should people start if they want to start reading Batman comics because he has been over in over thousands and thousands of issues, whether it's in Batman, Detective Comics, or other DC Universe publications. And to me, it is overwhelming. If you want to start reading comics and you love Batman, whether it's from the films or the video games or any other media that DC puts out there, and you feel like, I want to start reading the comics because that's where I came from, it's hard to figure out where to start. So from those requests, I thought I would dedicate a whole episode just discussing if you want to get into Batman comics, whether you're a new fan to comics or you have been reading comics your whole life and just want a short refresher course, that this episode will be Batman 101, the, a very essential list that was actually created by DC Comics. It's within the app and it's called Batman 101 and it gives you a good list of what to read when you want to start reading about the Caped Crusader. Okay. <laughs> so this is a list that DC has prepared. Yes. And this is a list of comic stories within one single issue, or is the are these stories within various issues that are now combined into what we call trade paperbacks or graphic novels? Yes, these are spread out through several trade paperbacks. They're in different publications. It's not just in the Batman book or the Detective Comics book. And each are broken up into different sections, which we'll go over that illustrate um, how Batman, if you want to read about Batman in his early years, if you want to read about him in the future, if you want to read just about different areas within Batman's 76 years, it's really broken down into a great list. And I've kind of updated it because the list is a few years old, but I thought I would throw in some new 52 reads that I think would be really good for people to check out. Now, all the stories that we're going to be talking about. Have you read them personally? Yes, I have. And that's why I think this list is really good because I can, I'll try my best to give a little bit of insight into why DC themselves picked out these books and why I think it's good for a beginner or an older reader. 
<laughs> right. Now, the other issue that's going to happen is people are going to talk about spoiler alerts. So are you going <laughs> to be telling like the final part of the story? Is that part of the show? No, I don't want to do that because I don't want to ruin someone who thinks, oh, this sounds really great. And then I give them the ending. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do my best to just give you a general synopsis about what this story arc or this comic is about. And then if it sounds interesting to you, you can go out and read it yourself. Now, are you counting these down in any particular order? I'm grouping them into, I think, about four or five different sections, and there's a few in each. So it's an order, not necessarily, we start from the beginning, but it's not necessarily in a chronological order. It's in terms of theme and importance within the Batman family and within Batman himself, and it focuses on different aspects of Batman's mythos. Okay. I don't want to ruin anything. But I do want to point out something that I just found recently in ICV2. Have you ever heard of that website? No, I haven't. So <laughs> ICV2 is a great website and it's a daily newsletter. Okay. It's called ICV, ICV2. Looks like IC versus 2. Then, you know, the business of geek culture. And they really just report on comics but one of the coolest things that they do is they actually provide stats and lists of the top 20 comic books or top 100 comic books okay. uh, but they recently just released the book scan top 20 graphic novels in july 2015 oh wow and <laughs> uh i thought this was really cool because i am wondering whether we're going to learn about any Batman, uh, any of these Batman stories in today's podcast, because let me just count, you know, from, uh, you know, 20 on up. But there is one, two, three, four, five, six Batman titles in the top 20 graphic novels last oh. month. Oh, wow. So let me see. <laughs> so they do have a Batgirl Volume 1, okay. the Batgirl of Burnside. Do you uh, know of that? Yes, I do. And what is that, real quick? Real quick, that is the current Batgirl run. That's with Babs Tarr, Cameron Stewart, and Brendan Fletcher. It's one of my favorite publications I'm reading right now, actually. It makes Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, it gives a really great lightheartedness to her stories and I think for a lot of younger readers especially young girl readers it gives them something to relate to so I understand I I completely get why that book is so popular and Babstar's art is incredible and it has a really nice cartoon feel but you still it's not as silly I suppose as you would think other cartoon strips and things like that are so so yeah, that that deserves its place up there definitely all right that's uh cool. 13 and 18 13 being volume one 18 being volume two the city uh, oh sorry volume one is the court of owls which is 13 okay and 18 is the city of owls volume two 
Are those on your list? The Court of Owls is on my list, yes. Okay. So that's and City of Owls is an extension of that. So that whole arc that that makes sense. Definitely. Okay. So we'll go over that. <laughs> Number twelve on the list was Batman Year One by Frank Miller. Ah, nice. That is definitely on our list. That's in our first section, actually. Okay. So that's kind of <laughs> crazy. That that's an older graphic novel, right, which I'm sure but you'll it's talk still about. In this in this top list. That's, in this top twenty of that's crazy. You know, Book scan top 20 graphic huh. novels in July 2015. It's so good. That makes sense. There you go. Okay, so that <laughs> we're going to talk about. The next one is Batman The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Uh, yes, that's on our, <laughs> that'll be in our episode too. <laughs> okay, that's number six. And number one, Batman The Killing Joke. That is going to be my honorable mention. <laughs> but yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, that was the number one selling graphic novel in nice. July 2015. It makes sense because of all of the buzz that's happening around the killing joke right now. So maybe that's the reason why it's number one, considering it came out in 88. But because the announcement of the animated film that's coming out in 2016 and the buzz of who are going to be the voice actors, I think people are just gaining a lot of interest into it. And even last last week on my Instagram page, on Instagram.com slash History of the Batman, I did a whole week talking about The Killing Joke and its effects in the DC universe even after 25 years. So Awesome. Yeah. So that makes sense. Okay. Like <laughs> All right. Well, so there's a there's a list that uh, actually comports with what you have. Awesome. All right. So get started. <laughs> Let me know what should the readers or the listeners read to get into Batman. How do we uncover yes. the mystery? Okay. I think with anything you should start from the beginning. And so the first group is literally called Batman Begins. And I'm not referring to Christopher Nolan's movie. I'm referring to all of the comics that give you a great insight into how Batman began, why he is Batman, and great stories that will, like I said, give you more insight into who this character is. And I know we all know his backstory, whether it's from the movies or the video games, however you, you know about it, but Bruce Wayne, he lost his parents to a mugger when he was young and he devoted his life to seeking vengeance and to avenge their death. And so when he was of age, he traveled the world and studied all of the martial arts and all of the sciences and made himself into this peak physical in peak physical condition and once he returned to Gotham he wanted to use these skills to bring fear into the hearts of the criminals like the mugger that killed his parents and he decided that he would become the figure of the bat a dark shadowy figure in the night and so that's how he became batman and of course, if you want to start with Batman, it's always great to start with the very first story, Detective Comics 27 by Bill Finger and Bob Kane from the cover date, May 1939. And that story is a is a really good just detective story trying to figure out and stop these deaths that are happening within the city. And he has 
the ally of Commissioner Gordon who makes his debut appearance, but he doesn't know that Bruce Wayne and Batman are one and the same. But I think with anything reading Detective Comics 27, whether you, and most of the time you can read it from a trade paperback because it's the very first issue and it's kind of hard to just pick up a 1939 copy of Detective Comics. I'm sure sure that's a lot of money. (laughs) So for me, anytime someone wants to read the very first story, I always say if you can pick up the Batman Chronicles, Volume 1, that's the best way. They have all of his early Detective Comics appearances in Batman Number 1, which is our next story series within here. Well, real quick, uh, before before you get there, so when you read that first Detective Comics, the first appearance of Batman, that's what yes. you're talking about, right? Yes. Okay. Is it hard to read? Is it so dated or is it still hold up? No, it actually really holds up to today's standards. He is very, he is a mask vigilante. He's very tough and he has a really rough exterior. And we have to remember that he doesn't have the sidekick Robin yet. It's just him. And it's interesting to see how he approaches crooks and how you don't have the Batmobile that you know. It's like this red sports car and it still is a really good story, even if you put it in the Batman Volume 2 today. And even when it was retold in Detective Comics 27, this last year, the story itself, the case of the criminal syndicate, it still is a really good crime story that fits perfectly into what Batman represents. So I think even if you read it today, you wouldn't really know if someone didn't tell you what year it came out of, you'd be, you would still be interested. I think it still holds up very well. Okay. (laughs) Well, good. Good to know. What are we talking about next? So we got Batman's first appearance. Right. You have Batman's first appearance. And then if you want to keep going within this era, if you want to still read about what I call his year one, I know Frank Miller and David Masticelli kind of coined that Batman year one name in the 80s. But literally his year one is in Detective Comics 28 through 33. Those stories are really great examples of the type of villains and the type of hero that Batman is, that kind of pulp fiction detective type that Bill Finger and Bob Kane created. You have the stories of the Mad Monk where he fights supernatural beings. You get to learn a little bit more about his personal life when you're introduced to Julie Madison, who was his fiance, and you get to see both aspects of Bruce Wayne and Batman in these stories to see the type of person that they are. And like I said, he's very, he's a very tough character. We've discussed this in other, in another episode, Batman guns and killing. He is okay to whip out his pistol and he's okay to kill. And just looking at that first year of Batman within comics, you see a slightly different persona than you would reading Batman comics today, but it's still an interesting look at how this character was originally created. So if you want to start with Batman Begins, looking at his first year by himself on his own is definitely something that you should look into. And that's also in the Batman Chronicles Volume 1. Right. It sounds (laughs) like you just have to pay the respect. It is the creation of the character. It's the foundation of the character. Exactly. And it is the fountain or the 
you know, fountain for which everything else flows. So it sounds like a good idea to at least start with that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what do we got next? Next, we're going into his next book because after 1939 going into 1940, his character became so popular that DC Comics wanted to give him his own self-titled publication. So that's why we have Batman Volume 1, Number 1, which came out in spring of 1940. And on the cover, as iconic as it is, you see Batman and Robin swinging over the city. And if you read the first issues from issues 1 through 4, those are really great introductory stories to villains like the Joker and Catwoman who are both celebrating their 75th anniversary this year because they debuted in issue number one. So it's the same thing as reading the first Detective Comics. You get a feel of the adventures that Batman had in his golden age. Those stories, even though they're so... I get, for Batman, he was really young and it's his first time being Batman. You really get a good sense of the character that he is. And I think that's why it leads great into the next story that we're going to talk about, which is Frank Miller's Year One. Okay. And the first three, you did say DC Chronicles? Yes, that, the Batman Chronicles. Bat, I'm sorry, Batman yes. Chronicles. And that is, how's that format delivered? Is that in a uh, a thick graphic novel is it because i remember dc came out with these real thick black and white books right is that that's a dc showcase that's a dc showcase and for me i am a huge fan of color and seeing the original pencils and inks and colors of these i i personally like the the colors. Yeah, I mean, I'm so, not, I do too. But I know that in mass volumes, it's great to have just so you have all these stories. But Batman Chronicles, it is a trade paperback and it has, it's about 12 volumes in, but the volume one, the first book, has all of Batman's first adventures, including Batman number one. So if anyone wants to read his first stories and the the trade paperback isn't really that expensive because I know that's a one thing that I talk to people all the time about in the hobby is that they love to read the comics and they want to have the collectibles and all of these things. But, of course, money, I think, with any hobby is a factor. Right. But you can actually get this book for yeah, not looks, that bad of a looks price. looks like $13 bucks Yeah, it's like $12, $13. And you can get that at comic book shops or you can order on Amazon. Right. I would like say that. first go to your comic book shop, Definitely. local comic shop. Local comic shop. Support them. Specifically Meltdown Comics. <laughs> and, of course. And then if you can't, then you can go to other ways. But it is Batman Chronicles Volume 1. Yes. Okay. And that has the first groupings of stories that you've talked about. Yes. Okay. Then you said Batman Year One, the title Batman Year One, which is a Frank Miller book. Right. And who's the artist again? David Masuchelli. Okay. He's the main artist. And that art. one is the one that's in the top 20 of graphic yes. novel views from last month. Even from last month, which is crazy. I'm very glad that it made it to in within this top list because that just shows how important it is and how it just lasts the test of time that these books 20, almost 30 years ago came out and they're still on the top, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> so, so Frank Miller's and uh, his his Batman Year One, this is a retelling of the Year One? In a sense, 
we just talked about, even in Detective Comics, in between the issue 28 and 33, in Detective Comics 29, that's when you first have his origin story. That's when you first see him as a young child and his mother and father are gunned down by a mugger in an alley. And that's the first time you see his origin. And between 1939 and 1987, you have a few retellings of that exact same story. But Frank Miller, he reimagined that origin that we all have known for decades and not just showed the killing of Thomas and Martha Wayne, but we also, for the first time, get an insight into what happens after his parents are killed and he dedicates his life to avenging his parents. You get a taste of him traveling the world and learning different martial arts where you that is referenced in a lot of the comics, but you never it's never illustrated. So that's one of the reasons why I really like year one. It's it's important because it's a modern retelling of something from 1939. And even though that still holds up to today's standards for a lot of people, especially when Frank Miller came with The Dark Knight Returns, it brought back Batman when he was at a downslope in the mid 80s. So it naturally it made sense that Frank Miller wanted to redo the origin story that we all know but for a lot of new readers it's something completely different so you not only get the origin story and what happens afterwards but you also see him come back to gotham and trying to figure out how he's going to go on his crusade of justice and then you and then he discovers that he wants to become in the shape of a bat and he becomes batman and you see that type of psychological toil he goes with trying to have this new identity, but still trying to keep his own persona of Bruce Wayne and trying to get his mind, I guess, straight to try to do this crusade. Right. So it's it's interesting. You don't just see him fighting or getting ready. You you kind of are introduced into the brain of Batman, which I think a lot of people are interested in just in a general sense. Now, Batman Year One, that was done after The Dark Knight Returns, correct? Yes, that was a year after. And it's a four-issue arc, just like The Dark Knight Returns. But I think those two, Frank Miller put out right back to back, I think those were his ultimate comics. I'm not saying he can't come out and write better stories, but I think that defined Batman in a crucial time for him in in, uh, DC Comics. Now, Dark Knight Returns was a standalone series, one through four, right? Right. And Batman Year One, that was not a standalone. No, that is considered to be a part of the mainstream continuity. So even now, when, and we'll talk about Zero Year relatively soon, in in this Batman Begins that we're that we're discussing, that still holds up even in New Fifty Two because the writers Scott Snyder and the artist Greg Capullo that are doing Zero Year now that's kind of a different retelling of Batman's background. They have even said they don't want it to rewrite Year One. Mm. They think that how Frank Miller presented it and what Batman and Bruce Wayne go through still can 
be used within the regular continuity. Right. So, and and just so I'm clear, uh, Batman Dark Knight Strikes Again was a standalone when it first came out. It's now been collected into a trade paperback yes. slash graphic novel. And Batman Year One was part of the regular continuity. Actually, Batman 404 to 407, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And now that's also collected in its own yes, trade. Yes. I, I have both the four comics and the trade paperback. Okay. And it's interesting enough, being, I guess, personal, my mom, she wanted to start reading Batman comics, especially since I was all into the podcast and the blog and everything. And I gave her my trade paperback of year one because I said, if you want to start anywhere, this is a really great place to start. And she loved it. Great. So that's... I know it's my mom, but I, that's another reason why I think this would be real, something really great for people to read, especially for a modern audience. Right. I think it's a great example of someone who is not into it, coming into it, right. reading it, and enjoying it to the point where they probably want to read more. Exactly. And listen to your podcast. <laughs> and cook dinner for you. And <laughs> be nice mommy to you. Be nice. Okay. <laughs> What is our okay? So real quick, we're we're still going on the Batman Begins segment. How many segments are we going to cover today? I believe we're going to cover it's either four or five. Oh boy, <laughs> that's why I'm trying. I wanted to all fit into this episode to this hour because I know we have a tendency of splitting into two or three episodes, but I think we can get it all in one episode. All right, so let's move because <laughs> I have to tell you, it is partially my fault for. Getting excited and asking you questions. No, and, uh, I love the questions. All right. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> You're being nice to me. <laughs> all right. So let's go then hit uh, the rest of the Batman Begins um, okay. I- issues and stuff that we're talking about. Okay. This can be kind of a combination since it's within the same series. But if we go into the 90s, two great arcs that I that are some of my favorites and that I've heard from other people are theirs too are Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's Batman the Long Halloween. It is a 13-issue saga. It was from 1996-1997, and it's showcasing Batman in his early years. So that's why it fits great into this Batman Begins segment that we're discussing. And it's not only a great modern take of Harvey Dent's transformation into Two-Face. So if anyone is a huge Two-Face fan out there, I definitely recommend this series. But you also get a great look at Batman's rogues gallery. You see literally everyone within this story somehow. And you get a a great look at Batman's first year as a crime fighter in a more modern sense. I think also one of the important points about the long Halloween, Jeff Loeb, but Tim Sale's art is off the charts. It is outstanding. It is so perfect for a Batman story. Yes. And they actually followed it up with the Dark Victory. Is yes, that, that's uh, yep. That's the next one. Okay, that, that's why they're both together. It's the sequel. Okay. Yes, well, there you that, go. There you go. <laughs> but I have to say that, and and it's proven to be such a powerful combination that those two have actually gone on to other books, yes. such as Spider Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, and I think they did a Superman, or maybe they haven't. I don't know. But, but I know they've done the Marvel. They stuff. are a great creative team. They're one of my favorites. Oh. And Tim Sale's Joker for me 
is so great. It, it fits Joker's personality. Very perfectly. teethy and yes, smiley. But I think that's how Joker should be represented. It's teethy. I think it should have been toothy. Te- toothy. <laughs> I got you though, teethy. That I understand. There it's cool. <laughs> but it's between his Joker and Brian Boland's Joker. The, for me, those epitomize what I think Joker represents. Yeah. But yes, like you said, after Batman Long Halloween, Dark Victory, which came out between 1999 and 2000, it's a 14-issue arc, and it's done by Jeff Loeb and Tinsale. And you get to see it's surrounded more around Batman's villains. You get to see more of Poison Ivy. You get to see more of Joker. And you get to witness Batman fully become the Dark Knight because in the long Halloween, he was kind of getting his footing. This was his first year. He's trying to perfect his craft. And in Dark Victory, he has to. So you see him fully become the Batman that we all know. So I think it's a great addition to this first Batman year one, Batman Begins segment that we're in. Yeah, I mean, I would I would recommend to anyone to pick up those two. Those are two of my favorite ones that actually brought me back into the Batman fold. Mm-hmm. When reading comics, I'd been away for so long, and those were the two that I, someone's like, you got to read these, and I thank them for it because it was, those were phenomenal. And it is true. You get to see everyone in there, the Penguin, the Riddler, Poison Ivy, and then the whole crime mob scene right. that's going on. I mean, it dealing was, with the Falcons and all of that. Oh, is, just a perfect, perfect bunch of issues. Definitely. And those now can obviously be collected. Uh, they're collected as well. Yes. Real quick before we continue to move, and I know I have got all these questions, but <laughs> what about for digital readers? Can they can they also read what you're talking about digitally? Oh, definitely. Not just in the DC Comics app store, but Comixology and all of the now the digital comics platforms, you have access to all of these issues, whether it's individual or you can buy it as an online trade paperback in a sense. You have so if you can't go to your local comic book shop or you can't order through Amazon, definitely digital comic platforms are the way to go. Yeah, you can actually Stay in your underwear and just read comic books. (laughs) Not even have to go pick it up. Exactly. All right. (laughs) And I think for this, for our Batman Begins, the the one I added was Batman Zero Year, which is by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV and Greg Capullo and Danny Mikey. And that team for New 52 Batman, are they create Batman perfectly for this era. And it's, like I said, it doesn't replace Batman year one in a sense, but it does for the new 52 give Batman his, just discuss his background, discuss his origin. And I am a huge fan of Greg Capullo and Danny Mikey as a artist creative team, because I think the colors and the lines and just how, they're visually Batman's visually represented is so it's just vividly stunning. And the story itself is really good. And for people who say they've told me, I just want to start with new 52. I just want to start from this beginning. I don't want to go to all the other ones. If you start with the Batman lines, court of owls, which we'll discuss later and zero year, that's definitely a great modern take on the beginning of Batman. 
Well, <laughs> sounds good. And that's another thing that can be collected. Or has yes, been. that's in a couple volumes by now. But yes, definitely volume one starts. Volume one has Batman 21 through 27 and 29 through 33. And those are the main core issues of Zero Year. Of course, there are crossovers and tie-ins with the different families. But just reading Zero Year, those are the core issues that you should check out. Now, real quick, do you know that just for people who don't buy comics a lot, mm -hmm. the way it works is that a comic book comes out every Wednesday, and we're talking generally about a single issue. Yes. And then after a certain amount of issues that form a story arc are done, then eventually the publisher puts out a trade or a graphic novel collecting multiple issues to make one full story. Exactly. And generally, how soon after the issues or story arc is done does a Batman trade or graphic novel come out? It's relatively soon. If the Batman publication is monthly and we have the last story usually with the within the next month you have your trade paperback it happens rather quickly some are slower than others but i've seen it happen within a month's time where they put it all together but it it depends on what the public what the publication wants it depends on i mean i've seen marvel trade paperbacks come out quicker or slower but it's if you don't want to collect all of the comics, which I know can be tedious, even if you go to your comic book shop and you have all nine, but then you're missing the eighth one, it's just easier to get the trade paperback. But I personally am a fan of having single comics. I think it's just a different feel. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I'm a, I do that too. But more efficiently, it's just easier just to do trade paperbacks. <laughs> exactly. And, and also... For the collector in me, it's just a nicer thing because what I do typically is I will buy the individual comic book, mm -hmm. I read it, and then I put it in its bag and board, file it away, and then I know people are going to want to read my stuff, so I buy the trade just so I can loan it out. Ah, uh, nice. Because That's I, a good way I realize go. that if I'm going to loan out something, I'm not loaning out the single <laughs> You're issues. You're not loaning out the comic, exactly. Right, I'm loaning out the trades. <laughs> Okay, where are we next? Are we on still on We're, Batman Begins? No, I think for Batman Begins, those to me are really great stories that if you want to just start from the beginning and you want to get an idea of Batman in his early years and how he became Batman, those are really great stories to read. Perfect. <laughs> What's next? What's the next segment? The next segment we're looking and it when I was doing this, it called back to, I think it's episode five, which is one of my favorites. It's the myth of the Batman God complex. We're talking about times within Batman's career that have been dangerous and almost deadly to him. It's the darker times of the Dark Knight. And we're going to discuss a few comics that show Batman struggling or failing because, like I've said before on this show, that we love Batman because for most of the time he wins every fight. But then there are times where he's defeated. So these arcs, because people have asked me before, they've said, when is a time where Batman has lost? They've asked me that. And then when I give them an answer, they're upset because like, no, Batman can never lose. Right, right. And, we, <laughs> and we did a podcast on that. Right. We did a podcast on it. So this is just a 
mini version of not just when he's failed, but difficult times trying to keep his city together and his family together. It's not just him being defeated. It's on many different levels. So one that I was really happy that they that DC chose to put on the list was Jim Starlin's Batman The Cult, which came out in 1988. And I've discussed this in that episode as well. Batman is trying to hunt down this underground army of, of homeless people, and then he's eventually captured, and he's tortured and drugged and brainwashed into becoming a part of this army. And it takes Robin, who is Jason Todd at this time, to help him come back to his own and snap out of it. But we see that he not only fights the good, but he also kills at one point. And it's an interest in the art itself is interesting, I think. And who, who was the artist again? I'm sorry. Um, I know partially Jim Apparel was on it, but okay. it, um, but I think the story itself just shows how weak, that Batman can be within a certain situation. Cause you've seen a lot of different Batman comics and covers where he's in these death traps and he's in situations that you think, Oh, well no one could come out of this situation alive. And then in 1988, which I think the late eighties were a really hard time for Batman. He, a lot of different issues show that he struggled the most, but you see Batman, tortured and captured and literally cannot get out unless someone helps him and it's it's a very dark book and even the the villain deacon blackfire you don't even see him anymore he's almost in a way a one-shot type of character you see him briefly within the new 52 but just the madness of it all it's hard to see madness within a Batman comic and not automatically think the Joker's involved. But it's definitely a dark story, but it's one that I think readers should should check out. Um, and the next one is one that I think a lot of people know and that we talked about recently in the Robin retrospect is Batman and Death in the Family, which was also by Jim Starlin. Oh, boy. That's the that's the <laughs> killing of Robin. Yes. By vote. Yes, by vote. And that was in Batman 426 to 429. It was between 1988 and 1989. I guess that is kind of a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but No, I but know. But to your defense, I don't know who doesn't know unless right. you really are not into it at all and especially if you've played the Arkham games, <laughs> you kind of already get a sense that that's what happens. <laughs> right. I, I think also probably, I mean, listen, everyone knew, or not everyone, but most people knew that Robin did die at one time. And it's probably more of the story about how they dealt with it. Right. And so. It's more of the outside of it, how even if the voters who decided that, no, I think Jason Todd should live, I guess to give background for someone, for anyone who hasn't, didn't listen to the other episodes or doesn't know, DC editors didn't like the character of Jason Todd because he wasn't the same as Dick Grayson, the first Robin. And so within the story, they gave the readers 
1-900 number to decide whether or not Jason Todd should be killed by the hands of the Joker or he would survive. And by a very narrow margin, Jason Todd was killed off. Right. But we know that if Jason Todd decided to live, he would be in a coma and Bruce would still decide that he wants to be Batman by himself, that right. he doesn't want Robin. So in a way, DC already planned off to not have Jason Todd as Robin in the first place. Right. But for more information, please listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. So we Robin dies. That is collected. You can get it digitally. Yes. You can get it... Uh, Something in your hand, a trade. Mm -hmm. Yes. It and is by the way, just back. for everyone knows who's listening, this is what I mean when I say trade slash graphic novel. This is my understanding. You can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but early on when comics started coming out in the regular issues, they started doing these premium format, thick, bigger stories that they called graphic novels. Yes. And that was a graphic novel. It was a standalone thicker premium format book. Yes. Okay. <laughs> then they started coming out with collected thicker books of the individual issues. Those were called trade paperbacks. Right. And then somewhere along the way, they just got, uh, everything became a graphic novel. <laughs> is that your understanding? Yes, that is my understanding. That's okay. So when I say trade paperback, I'm specifically referring to collected Collected issues. But so, nowadays it just doesn't matter and everyone says graphic novel. Everyone says graphic novel. So. I try to differentiate as much as I can. If I see that it's just one book, like for instance, I see Batman the Killing Joke. Even when it originally came out in 1988, it was a graphic novel. It was a graphic novel. It was novel. thicker. It wasn't just the regular 20 to 30 pages. It was an actual full story. And even in the deluxe edition now, I would still consider that a graphic novel. I Agreed. don't consider that a trade paperback. Whereas Death in the Family, the four issues, they're all collected together in one binding, and I see that as a trade paperback. Right, and interestingly enough, Dark Knight Returns, trade paperback. Is a trade paperback. Batman Year One, trade paperback. Yes. Even the greatest, potentially greatest, or most iconic graphic novel is a trade paperback, and that's Watchmen. Yes, People, definitely. That was 12 issues. <laughs> So anyways, sorry, I just want to educate no. the listeners on what specifically a trade paperback no, versus a No, and I think novel. a lot of the listeners appreciate that because people throw around those terms all the time and some people, even on the blog, ask me, what does that mean? So okay. we can never assume that everyone knows it, you know, as much as maybe we do or someone else. That's why when I try to talk about the page or the blogs or any comic, I try to do it from a perspective of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. So I never try to assume. I always try to talk about it as if it's the first time you've ever heard of it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Okay. So moving on to our darker times for the Dark Knight, we have... Batman Nightfall, which I think is probably the most well-known time that Batman has struggled against a foe. It was originally published between Batman 491 to 497 and Detective Comics 659 to 663. So for anyone that is ambitious and wants to collect all of those, like I have <laughs> individually, those are the issues to look for. And of course, that whole, it was Nightfall, Night Quest, and Night's End. They're three different story arcs, but then everyone just calls it Batman Nightfall because the first 19 issues or so, 
demonstrate the villain Bane who systematically takes down Batman mentally, physically, psychologically, and then comes to his home in Wayne Manor, knows his identity, fights him, and literally breaks his back. He breaks his spine on his knee. And that puts Batman out of commission for literally a year's worth of time in comics. And that comes in John Paul Valley, who takes up the mantle as a new Batman, but he's more violent and kills and Batman or Bruce Wayne has to fight him to take back the mantle. But if there is a story that you should read that shows Batman at his at a very weak point but comes back as Batman, that is definitely a story to read because he is triumphant in the end even though he falls. And that was something we covered in the Bane Spotlight In the Bane Spotlight, and Bane was number two on our Myth of the Batman God Complex oh, yeah. episode. So this has been discussed a couple times right. <laughs> within this show. So, And it's probably because I'm being biased because it was my first comic arc that I read. So. No, but I think it's important. I mean, that image but, we've talked about of Batman having his back broken or right. putting over the knee of Bane... Go read it. Yes. And even though the bright oranges and colors within that panel, it is still one of the most violent scenes, I think, that I've witnessed in Batman comics. It's just, it's visually great. The story is great. And yes, it is definitely, I believe, an essential read within this section that we're talking about. Okay. So our next one is Batman No Man's Land. It's not necessarily something that Batman has failed at, but it's him try, him and the Batman family, Batgirl and Nightwing and all the Batman family tried to help the citizens of Gotham. In a nutshell, there is a huge earthquake within Gotham and the U.S. government has casted Gotham City away. They're not a part of the U.S. and they're isolated and on their own. And so the citizens and the Batman family have to strive to not only have the villains like Two-Face and Joker try to take over this area, but to try to piece everything back together. It was a year-long saga from in 1999. And one of, I think, the more memorable things within this story is that in the one-shot Batman Harley Quinn, that was the first time the character was put into Batman comic book canon. And I think a lot of people remember that from this story. But in itself, it is a great epic saga. And it's Mason's favorite. So whenever we do a full episode just on that, Mason's going to come sit with us. Mason, the <laughs> co-producer and engineer of the History of the Batman podcast with London. Yes. And also <laughs> that is, I, I loved No Man's Land too. I thought it was great. The thing with that now is they've had, I guess you could get them. I mean, it covered multiple, multiple Batman single issues. Stories, oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it, it was in no, it covered Shadow no, of the Bat. Right. It was in Batman. It was in Detective Comics. It was in Legends of the Dark Knight. It covered all of the major core Batman stories. Right. It, and now it's collected in either four or five volumes. Yes. Depending on whether you get the complete edition or the regular edition. Yes. But it, those are thick. And they're, that's a fantastic read. I would it recommend is. that. Definitely. 
But yeah, so that this story is really good within this segment of darker times because it is a it's oh. a tragic time, not just for Batman, but the whole oh, but whole Gotham. Gotham's in turmoil. Exactly. That's his city. So having to put the pieces back together is something that's almost as tragic as him being broken by Bane. It's his city. It feels like he's the protector and it's going down the tubes in a way. Right. And I mean, he's come. really, at that point, he was the la- Batman and his crew were pretty much the last defense. Exactly. They were, there was no one else who could do anything. Right. They had to almost split up and go underground and it was a whole... It was a whole saga. And that was actually a big theme in that story was the image of the bat. Yes. Right? Yes. Painting the bat and letting people know that the gang that was coming to to really do damage was the bat gang. Was the bat, yes. So, anyway. All right, what do we got next? Okay, in this, I think our last one in this, I would put Batman Hush, which is a lot of people's favorite arc. It was through Batman 608 to 619, and it was by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. I think this arc for Jim Lee's Batman was the starting point for him being known as one of the greatest modern Batman artists of our time, just because of the sharp detail that Jim Lee has with all of his characters, not just with DC, but with any publication he tackles and it was more of Batman having to face all of his rogues and even having to tackle his own personal interests because in this story as a lot of people know that Catwoman and Batman develop a more romantic relationship and he even reveals his identity to Selina Kyle and has to struggle with that huge part of his life whether or not to keep his identity and trust this person with it or to just stay with being Batman. And in the end, he chooses Batman. But Hush is a really is a really interesting story because it introduced a lot of the Batman family members, not just the rogues, but you get a little taste of everyone that's involved in Batman's life. And from what I've read of it, I think that it's a great, intro story for people who haven't read Batman comics before because you are literally introduced to everyone within the mythos. The interesting thing that I just picked up based on what you've been telling me is that this Jeff Loeb, he's got talent. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, his ability to interweave or to weave these Villains, I mean, multiple villains. I mean, when he takes on a Batman story, he's not messing around. Right. And the fact that he's been able to do original concepts involving every villain practically. Yes. On three different occasions. I mean, that's pretty iconic. I mean, we talk about Frank Miller being one of the masters of Batman. But if you really look at some of these fantastic stories and the stories that fans really love, we're talking about Jeff Loeb's Jeff stories. Loeb, yes. And even going back really quick to The Long Halloween, the main killer was Holiday. And even though in each issue he is the person that Batman and Harvey Dent and Commissioner Gordon going after, he still is able to intertwine all of the rogues that we know into it brilliantly. Right. And he introduced, I mean, 
Holiday. He introduced a new villain, Hush. I mean, he's been able to not only inter, you know, intertwine all the past characters, but he's always he's introducing a new one. Yes, and now Hush is one of the more popular characters even today, which yeah. is which is fascinating. I always like when modern characters that are introduced have m- as much of an impact as our characters that were introduced in the forties, right? Court of the Owls, and yes. things like Talon. Yes, definitely. All right. Next. uh, Okay. I think we're on to our next part. Next segment. Yes, our next segment. (laughs) And that is called Batman Family because without Batman, even though he can go on his own and he doesn't need anyone, really in all of the stories, you can't have a really good Batman mythos without the people surrounding them, without the people that help him. And we are family. Hey, uh, Mason, you're going to drop that in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. But your singing is fine. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. No, I, no, that's not. Sorry. So Batman family. So Batman family. And of course, the best way to start with it is the first issue that the Batman family actually happened, and that's the introduction, the introduction of Robin Dick Grayson in Detective Comics 38 from April of 1940. You not only get his origin story, which was his mother and father, they were all part of a circus act and they were tragically killed. And that's when Bruce Wayne took in Dick Grayson and trained him to become Robin. And then they hunt down the boss Zuko and apprehend him. And that's where the Batman and Robin dynamic began. But that's also where the Batman family started because even though everyone knows Alfred Pennyworth is part of it, you don't see Alfred right within the first year of Batman. He's not an essential character. He's not part of the family. It's really Robin that's that's the introduction. So if you have to read anything about the Batman family and want to start there... That is definitely the first story to read. So, is, and, and where is that? Is that in Chronicles? Yes, that's in Chronicles as well. Which volume do you know? That would be in volume two. Okay. So, and what's great about the Batman Chronicles is that it goes in, literally, it does go in chronological order. So, if you want to read all from what they've had, I wish they would continue this because I think they stopped at volume 12 i want to say they didn't continue but if you want to just read all the appearances of batman especially in the golden age collecting the batman chronicle slowly but surely i think would be the way to go okay <laughs> and i and i didn't even throw this in as my own suggestion it was in there it is the retelling of dick grayson's origin which was an all-star batman and robin the boy uh. wonder I didn't even put that in there. It was already there. I'm like, see, it is essential. Even though people have bad comments about it, I think it is fantastic. It's by (laughs) You are in tune (laughs) with Robin. Yes. It is Frank Miller and Jim Lee work. And it has Scott Williams and Alex Sinclair. And anyone that is a fan of Jim Lee, whether or not you like Frank Miller's almost satirical take on Batman, the art in it is stunning. You can't deny it. And you get a very modern take on 
Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson's first interaction with Batman wanting him to become his sidekick. You also see characters like Superman and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern. And it is a very kind of grim, rough take on this mythology, but it's still an origin of the beginning of the Batman family. And I think you also see this in another publication in Batman and Robin volume one, which was from 2009, 2011. It was a limited series, about six issues. It was a Grant Morrison book and it was right after Bruce Wayne, Batman had died and the status quo had to change and the fan, the Batman family had to decide who would be the new Batman. And after Batman Battle for the Cowl, it was decided that Dick Grayson would be Batman and Bruce Wayne's son, Damian Wayne, would take up the mantle as Robin. So when we say Batman and Robin in this volume, we're talking about Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne joining forces. Right, which just again goes to show how important Dick Grayson was. And how important Robin has been. Yes. And that was something, again, you touched on last week. So Batman family. Yes. All right. And then obviously his son, which is another topic we've covered. But that is, you know, people didn't even know he had a son. Right. And I think even for people who just find out now, it's still kind of shocking because like I said in the other episode, you don't really see Batman having any type of that relationship with other people because the cape and the cow usually come first. Yeah. So it's always interesting to just know that he has a biological son. <laughs> also with the Batman family, I think it's always important to note that Batman has a really good relationship with Commissioner Gordon of the GCPD of Gotham City Police Department. And I think that's needed because Batman is a vigilante doing his own thing. He's not a part of the police force. And really, if they wanted to, they could say, you're doing illegal acts. And we could, if we, if they can, arrest him, apprehend him. But Gordon sees him for the good that he's doing. And for a lot of times dealing with the colorful rogues that run around Gotham, Batman is the only one that can stop it. So having that bond between Gordon and Batman, I think are really important. And he's definitely part of the Batman family. And you see this interaction fantastically in Greg Rucka's uh, Gotham Central, which came out in 2003. It's about 40 issues. And it focuses not just on Batman and Commissioner Gordon, but the whole police force. And before then, you don't really have a book that focuses on the actual GCPD. That's a pretty cool thing. So it really, and Greg Rucka is known for his crime stories. Yes. And so he essentially does, a, I mean, I don't want to say like The Wire, but, you know, a cop show in, in Gotham. Yes. So that's a, uh, that is a really cool series. I do recommend that as well. Yes. Because I, I read some of that and I thought, wow, man, I never had thought about what do the cop? What are the cops living like? What are the cops right. in Gotham? How do they exactly. cope with the fact that there's this crazy dude running around in a Batman suit, kind of helping, kind of not helping? You never get that perspective. Right. It's interesting to see that point of view from not just Batman all the time, or from Robin, or from the other caped and costumed people. You see the real life Gothamites that 
are living there and you see what they go through. And we'll talk about another series that kind of focuses on the citizens of Gotham really soon, actually. (laughs) But I definitely recommend Gotham Central. And I also recommend, it's another Jeff Loeb. I think he's just dominating this. Oh, boy. This episode. But the Superman Batman publication and Jeff Lowe did about a fourth of the first of that series and it came out in 2003. And I know everyone wants to have Superman and Batman fight and go against each other and try to see who's best, but really their world's finest together. They're unstoppable. And Superman, whether or not people want to realize it or not, he trusts Batman and Batman vice versa. And there, there's an interesting family dynamic that I think people should look into. So what? So Superman, Batman, that's a series. That's a series. And even right now, there's a series, but it's Batman, Superman. So I know it could be confusing, but New 52 has Batman slash Superman. And the original series was Superman slash Batman. So. And is that collected? Too? Yes, that's okay. collected too. Superman, Batman's collected. And I even think now there's at least a volume one for Batman, Superman. Is it, what, what, uh, the Jeff Loeb, Superman, Batman, do yes. you know what volumes that is? Or that they are? There should be. I know there's at least two, but I think the first one, if you want to read the Jeff Loeb stories, that's definitely in volume one because yeah, he did the first, yeah, he did the first several arcs. So if you want the Jeff Loeb, that's at least in volume one, but the series had multiple creators, but Jeff Loeb started the series and I liked his stories. I, I love him as a writer. So yeah. it's, it's hard to not say, oh no, this is... <laughs> This is bad. (laughs) Um, And I added one that wasn't originally in the list, but I think that's more updated. It's our last one in the Batman family is Batman Death of the Family. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it is an homage to Death in the Family from 88 and 89, but it's a new 52 story. It's 23 issues long. It has tons of tie-ins. And it is a Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, they're the main right, they're the main creative team on it. And the main issues are Batman 13 through 17, volume two. And it is discussing the Joker who returns to Gotham. And I think what's more jarring about this is that Dollmaker in Detective Comics Volume 2, number one, he cuts off Joker's face and then Joker pins it back and he looks horrifying. The way that Greg Capullo rendered the way Joker looks, he looks even more chaotic and crazy than you would even think after all of the Joker stories that have been published over the years. With him in Death in the Family, he literally attacks everyone in Batman's family and psychologically and mental and, and physically and just really tries to tear them down, all with his craziness. And it's a really great read. Like I said, there are tons of crossovers within all of the Batman family members. There's Teen Titans and Batgirl and Catwoman and... Suicide Squad, which if you're a Harley Quinn fan, you get to see Harley Quinn and Joker kind of duke it out and see that relationship. And I added that into the Batman family because even though there are more stories coming out today with New 52, I still think that 
arc is a really great, not just Joker story, but a Batman family story. The struggles that they go through and how, even though at one time they kind of turn on each other, you still see that family dynamic that started way back with Robin in 1940. So that's how I would end the Batman family segment. It's a lot of reading. <laughs> it is, but all of these stories, but there's so much Batman to read. Oh, there's no, it's thousands true. and thousands and thousands of stories. And I'm sure there are listeners out there that want to add stories, which we'll talk about that later. But I think these are really great to look at. No, it's, you've done a great job of breaking it down. Because <laughs> it is. It's so massive. It it's is. It's so overwhelming. And now we've got some guidance. Okay, so I'm trying to trying to keep it going. I have two more sections if we have time. I don't know. Do we have time? Well, let's see. Mason, how are we doing on how time, are we doing buddy? On time? <laughs> uh, you, you, one, one o oh two. Man, oh, we might be out of time. <laughs> okay. So why don't we just? I don't know. You want to do it anyway? Yeah, I right. can just bulldoze through it really quick let's do it okay <laughs> okay the next one's a never-ending battle which talks about batman kind of more in a futuristic sense the title meaning even in the future batman will always be around he's always important he'll always be the the savior of gotham and two stories i want to focus on which We've talked about before. The first one is Frank Miller's Batman The Dark Knight Returns because we know it's an alternate reality and it's set within a possible future. Bruce Wayne is 55 years old. He's retired, but he has to come out of retirement to fight the mutant gang that's taking over Gotham. And of course, we've discussed before, it's a groundbreaking story and it brought back Batman when he was at a slump in sales and made him more popular again and introduced it to an older audience and pulled them in. And it's a great Batman story that is that any, I think person who wants to get into the comics and hasn't read before. It's a great story. I mean, it's, it's groundbreaking. It's yeah. iconic. I mean, and that is something that, you know, everyone can listen to us talk about and we'll probably even do a, our own individual episode just yes, on that alone. But it, it needs very little, introduction it's batman right it's frank miller it's the redefinition it's, it's amazing exactly and then the last one in this segment um is the franchise batman beyond which we've talked about briefly on the show it started as an anim an animated show and then it went into several volumes in comics it started in 1999 to 2001 and they were all mini series many different creators have been on it like adam Beechin and Ryan Benjamin and Dustin Wynn and it's about about 20 years into Gotham's future and Bruce Wayne is retired in a sense and Terry McGinnis who is a young teenager becomes a new Batman and you see it's a whole Batman in a new futuristic world of Gotham. New costume. Yes. New everything. New everything. So if you want to see Batman more in a futuristic sense, I always recommend Batman Beyond. There's several different volumes. There's a comic out right now, which Tim Drake is Batman Beyond, which we discussed briefly in the last episode. Is there a single recommendation, a single trade 
for the Batman Beyond series? I, I really liked Volume 3, the Adam Beach and Ryan Benjamin series. Okay. And I personally love Volume 4's art, the cover art, because Dustin Wynn is one of my favorites, and he does a fantastic job in drawing Batman Beyond. So those are my recommendations, but they're about four or five volumes in. So it shouldn't be that difficult even to pick up one volume and you can jump right in. Sounds good. Okay. Last one really quick. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm still glued. <laughs> it is called The City He Protects. So these are ish, these are comic books that focus on the city of Gotham itself because you can't really have Batman without knowing a little bit more about why he loves Gotham, his hometown, and how important it is to him. So I would recommend Scott Snyder and Kyle Higgins' Batman Gates of Gotham. That came out in 2011. And you actually get a really good insight into the Wayne family background, the grandfathers and great-grandfathers and the secrets that they have within Gotham City. And if you want to learn more about Bruce Wayne and his family, that is definitely an arc to read. And you get to see kind of the old-time Gotham City, which you don't really see or visualize in other comics. And I also recommend my last one is Batman Streets of Gotham, which is by Paul Dini and Dustin Wynn. Great creative team. And just like we discussed with the Gotham Central, you get the perspective of citizens of Gotham within this story. You don't really see Batman's point of view. You see people that he interacts with and just the common citizen. And you see really how Gotham City is to the person who sees Batman grappling the skies. It's a great limited series. It came out in 2009. And yeah, those... Those stories, I think, are great if you want to learn more about Gotham City. Now, the controversy and the honorable mention. <laughs> the killing joke. Yes, the killing joke. Why did you leave that off? I left it off because I feel like it's more of a Joker story. You have a lot of Batman. You have a lot of that back and forth that you see that yin and yang relationship between Batman and Joker. And it is iconic because of what happens to Barbara Gordon. She's shot and paralyzed and then she becomes the character Oracle. And a lot of iconic moments happen, but I did, I, and I almost felt biased because it is my favorite graphic novel and always has been. So I didn't want to put it in there from a biased perspective, but if you want a really good Joker story, you want a good origin story, and just in general, you want a really good Batman story, I would recommend Alan Moore and Brian Bowen's The Killing Joke. It is in a deluxe edition, a gra graphic novel. You can pick it up pretty much anywhere. And yeah, it's, it's one of, I think, the greatest Batman stories, in my opinion. <laughs> now, there's another one that I do have to ask you about. Uh, okay. Batman, The Man Who Laughs. Oh, that's a great one. That's Ed Brubaker <laughs> and Doug uh, Munch. Munch. I don't know how to pronounce it. M-A-N-K-E. I thought it's M-A-N, or I'm sorry, M-A-H-N-K-E. 
Monkey? Oh, Monkey, yeah. Okay. They do that great Joker story, yes, too. Yes, that's an also great. That is an, another great Joker story. But that as is well. focused a lot on Joker. It is. And that's the only reason why I didn't put Killing Joke in, in the first place. Okay. But I know that it's so popular now because all of the controversy and everything that's around it. But it's still a really great story. I actually received the a first edition copy of it from 1988 with the original colors and it is so amazing you're very <laughs> lucky we're all envious of your <laughs> batman collection <laughs> uh, okay i think i covered as much as i could and i i really do think all of the stories that i touched upon are great essential reads for a lot of people, I'm sure it's like, no, this is my favorite story because of so-and-so. And there are tons that I didn't talk about. But I think for people who have no idea where to start, these stories, I think, would be a great list to start with. And then you move forward from there. And if anyone has any questions or suggestions about their favorite Joker store, how best to reach you to discuss London? Everyone can email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. You can direct message me on instagram.com slash historyofthebatman and also check out all other Batman sessions on historyofthebatman.tumblr.com, facebook.com slash historyofthebatman and twitter.com slash historyofthebatman. But yes, everyone email me and your comments, concerns, questions, all of it. I am doing my best to answer everybody, and I'm so appreciative that you even are reaching out. So thank you, guys. Yes, I'd like to echo that. Thank you, listeners, for paying attention and tuning in. We are doing great here. Uh, we love doing this, and the numbers show. We are getting new listeners every podcast, so really we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Um. As for these comics that London has talked to you about, you should always come first to Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California to see if your comic book is there. If not, they can order it for you. I'd also like to tell you about Meltdown University, which are classes that are comic book related uh, that you can take actually in the comic book store. We have Creating Comics for adults. We have drawing comics for kids. We have kids zine class. We have a coloring and inking class, the art of inking. Uh, it's unbelievable what is going on here at Meltdown. So come and actually write your own comics, learn to create your own things here. We also on the Meltdown Podcast Network have just released a brand new show called The Disney Click. It's brand spanking new so go check it out it's uh briars and rick and all they do is talk disney stuff so that maybe sounds awesome yeah <laughs> as I mean, a huge disney fan yeah i mean they're, i think their first show they count down their top five attractions at disneyland oh i just went to disneyland so really? i'm gonna have to listen to see if <laughs> if any of my top five are in there <laughs> yeah and the thing is is i think they actually distinguish disneyland and disney world i mean it, that, they are serious that, that's hardcore yeah <laughs> they actually they actually have a funny segment in there where they they love disneyland so much and pirates of the caribbean the ride yeah there's actually a specific smell to it 
Did you know this? <laughs> that they know when they go in there, they know. Well, they're... it does have a scent to it, but I always just thought it was the water. Okay. <laughs> well, me, I could be wrong. It me, could be something else. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, Briars <laughs> actually, she would, if she could, she said on the podcast that she would bottle that scent up and if she could for perfume and use it. That's how much she loves it. So yeah, they're serious Ah, Disney fans. That is serious. Anyway, check it out at the (laughs) Disney click. You could go to melcomics.com and check it out there. You can also check it out on iTunes. But London, thanks again for a wonderful podcast. Thank you. I hope people like the list and maybe they'll go out and read some of the the comics we discussed that would be awesome i hope so and so again we're brought to you by comicsfix.com the subscription digital comic platform you can get it on any uh, platform itunes android you could watch read it on your desktop but it's a pay a monthly fee and read as much as you can check it out comicsfix.com thank you so much for listening to the history of the batman with london Presented by Meltdown Comics, and we will see you next week. Have a good week. Peace, love, and Batman. <laughs> <laughs>